Hello, event hustlers, and welcome to another edition of Text Talk Unscripted. This is uh, we. This is our walk behind the scenes. I like to think of it sort of like as a phone tap, where uh, we get on the on the phone with some of our favorite industry hustlers and let you guys sort of listen in, just as a casual in-person conversation would be. And you know, we'll talk about anything from industry happenings to you know some of their own personal stories, so you get to sort of learn who the person is behind the hustle. So uh, we thank you for joining us again. I'm here with my trusty co-host and commander-in-chief, Liz King. And uh, this podcast, if you don't know, is broadcasted bi-weekly, and we always air it on our on our website, TexiTalk.com, as well as uh, SoundCloud, and then we always will, will share those links through social media. So uh, before we get started, I want to give a big shout-out to our supporters and, uh, and uh, our big sponsors who make this podcast possible, Splash that.com. If, uh, if you guys have ever worked on uh, a work with an all-in-one event marketing platform and uh, have to coordinate things with your designer, you know what, what kind of a tug of war that can be. But Splash That, or Splash rather, uh, makes that journey much, 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 much easier. And uh, they work with the big boys. We're talking Red Bull, Budweiser, Facebook, and uh, and, and all the, the big brands. So this is a, a this is a platform that we know that you guys will love. And if you've never tried them before, head over to splashthat.com and see what they're about. We give them our, our stamp of approval. Or you can check them out on TexasTalk.com where we feature them amongst the listings of event tech companies. So thank you again to Splash for supporting what we do. And without further ado, I'll hand it over to you, Liz. Thank you, Ed. Um, so today we have a special guest with us. Her name is Shannon D'Souza, and she was a recent speaker at our last Texi Talk Live event, and uh, we've had the chance to meet her a few times and to uh, jive with her in the industry. She is the Director of Sales and Industry Relations, which is a very fun title, at Attendees, and we're just going to talk to her a little bit today about how she got started in the industry and um, what she does and what's been going on. Um, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us. Cool. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, Ed, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And you're calling in from Vancouver, right? I am. The beautiful, sunny Vancouver today, uh, where we don't have snow in Canada, uh, which is exciting. <laughs> I am dreading the snow coming here, and, and we're in New York, or as in New Jersey, I'm in New York, and I, I have a feeling we're getting closer to the snow, getting chilly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not surprised that East Coast definitely has it coming. Yeah, um, and as Ed will tell you, I have this, like, thing where I don't wear jackets no matter how cold it is, so I'm it's freezing. Sort of the strangest thing <laughs> That's crazy. I've ever That's seen. That's crazy. <laughs> she owns probably about like 10 of them. She yeah. She just never wears them. I start wearing a jacket the moment the first wind blows. I think you're already wearing <laughs> your winter coat, aren't you, Ed? Uh, yeah, I started wearing my gloves like a month ago. <laughs> oh, wow. gosh. Um, but, yeah, so thank you so much for joining us and taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, so glad that we were able to schedule this. For the listeners who may not be familiar with you, can you tell people a little bit about what you do now? And it would also be great if you could tell us a little bit about your career path and, and how you got to what you're doing now. I know you you've done some very cool things. Yeah, for sure. So today I'm the Director of Sales and Industry Relations for Attendees. Attendees is an event automation platform. So essentially 
if you have user groups, if you have roadshows, if you have conferences, um, and you have that challenge where every time you have repeatable events, you have to make a new website, a new reg page, you know, new schedule, um, new event app, we make that easy and repeatable and we can get you up and running very, very quickly. So I lead some of our sales initiatives. We typically are working with some, some really, really awesome brands, um, Adobe, Pivotal, Bright Edge, um, South by Southwest, and I also have, I'm fortunate to be industry relations as well. So I get to do, you know, have these fun conversations, educate the industry, speak on event technology and the trends coming up. As I focus more on, you know, analytics, ROI, and a little bit of the hard conversations that revolve around numbers. I personally really, really love that. Um, my job is super fun because I get to be, you know, in person um, at events as well as, you know, speak to guys like you. Um, and I'm very, very fortunate. So that's where I am today. In regards to my career path, uh, I think I have a pretty interesting story. I, I'll take it back maybe about 10 years ago um, when I was studying to write the LSAT, uh, which is the, the law standardized test. And I realized, oh my God, I don't like this at all. I have zero passion for this. Um, which was kind of a bummer because I truly thought I wanted to be a lawyer for a really, really long time. Um, side story, my brother's a lawyer, so I thought, you know, how great would it be for both of my parents to have two kids as lawyers? Um, they weren't super excited about that, as a side note. Um, so then I was in a search for what is my passion, and that really, it brought me back to events, and I realized ever since I was in elementary school, I always, you know, was the one who volunteered to set up the school dances or was, you know, on the prom committee or um, wanted to do something creative. And then I realized if I dug a little further into that, what was it that I liked more so? Um, and that kind of brought me to weddings, surprisingly. Um, and weddings, the reason why I got into that is because I wanted to be a part of everlasting love. So it sounds a little bit corny, uh, but that was the, the truth of the matter. And I thought, you know, when you're a wedding planner, you always, you know, remember that person. You work so closely with the couple and you're really, you know, the quarterback to achieve someone's, you know, wedding dreams. And Liz, as you're getting married, I, I think you, you may have a little bit of a sentiment around this. So I started my first company about 10 years ago. Um, it was always what I like to call as a side hustle. Um, so I was always still working in technology. I used to work for RIM, which is BlackBerry now, Sybase, SAP, um, some of the main players in more so of a marketing role, then moved into like a, a project and program management. Um, and then ultimately I realized I love people, I need to be in sales. Um, so I was, I was growing my career corporately, but I was also um, doing, you know, in back in 2012-ish, we were doing, we started doing about 25 weddings a year. So I started hiring a staff um, of coordinators under me and I just focused on the sales side of things. Um, and I was growing both attributes. Um, how I ended up in, I guess, the corporate events or corporate event tech industry, um, it was really because of Bob Baez. Um, I had saw, seen Event Moby online and I was like, oh my God, how amazing is this? You know, I could bring my tech passion um, as well as this is all about events and I love sales and marketing and I wrote him this, this you know, wild that I would think now is a wild cover letter 
Um, and I was just like, I, I need to be in this role, lots of exclamation marks, like super enthusiastic and excited. Um, and he got back to me, you know, within that same day. And, you know, I, he brought me into a sales role. I realized, wow, this is the industry for me. I started getting very involved in, you know, PCMA and now MPI. And um, once my husband actually last year got an opportunity to move us out to Vancouver, he asked me, what do I think? And I was like, hell yes, let's do it. And then that brought me to attendees where I was able to, you know, elevate my career, you know, bring my industry experience and, um, and found a new home. That's awesome. I feel like so many people have that story where they started in something, then they realized, oh, maybe events are my thing. But this seems like the perfect position for you because it mixes, you know, the event planning. I know that, you know, having that planner perspective in sales is really important and technology and sales, so many of the things that you discovered throughout your career that you're really good at, it kind of brings everything together. For sure. And I was really, really fortunate. And I've been, it's been great to work with people who are fostering, you know, the skill set that I want to learn more about and um, really letting me get out there and, and tell the story of the company. I just want to uh, point out, I know you say it sounds a little cheesy that, uh, that you wanted to be part of Everlasting Love, but let me say I share that as uh, I share that uh, desire with you, and that's why I'm an aspiring wedding crasher, not a planner. I think that's what? my second, that's my second, <laughs> my second act of life. I mean, just having attended a, a wedding, I think it's the, it's, it's like supposedly the, the most, the best day of your life, right? Uh, yeah. At least up until that point. So I just love being part of that mix, but not on the planner side. I just want to sort of crash very casually. So I just wanted to affirm you, and uh, don't feel bad. <laughs> the best part of your story. Um, it's like the best part of both worlds. You get to throw the party, but without all the planning. There you go. Uh, yeah. So, so I'm curious, what got you uh, interested in, in tech and numbers? That's, uh, I don't tend to hear that as, as much. I think going to the University of Waterloo, if you know anything about Canada, that's the MIT of Canada. Um, I was just always around technical people. There's lots and lots of software companies. Um, I was in a co-op program in university. I always worked at tech companies at that point. Um, when I started realizing I love numbers, um, definitely wasn't in school. It was post, you know, and in, in my work life when I realized and I saw, you know, sales numbers and conversion rates and um, lead scoring and, you know, seeing that these numbers actually can translate into people and real life and success and opportunities and um, what that means to business. I have uh, a master's in business entrepreneurship and technology, and I think that definitely helped me, you know, cement um, the foundation of my learning, but then seeing it in real life is what gets me excited. That's fascinating. And I know you uh, you are part of, as Liz mentioned, Techie Talk Live, our, our annual event tech uh, gathering for uh, or conference for event planners. And you give a talk on revenue event marketing, which was incredibly insightful. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and just sort of what your your biggest uh, insights have been in terms of you know re uh, revenue event marketing, which is essentially uh, helping us planners get more butts and seats. For sure. Um, so that talk went extraordinarily well. I'm still getting people tweeting at me or emailing me for the checklist that, or the cheat sheet that I gave out after the talk. Um, so that made me feel really awesome. And 
um, really showcase that this is a need in the industry and people need this education. Um, so in regards to revenue event marketing, it's really all around putting, putting the numbers first, um, understanding that these can be around leads, targeting your leads, understanding how the event plays on that conversion. Um, and furthermore, really looking at, you know, are these customers or are these prospects and how to drive your strategy closer to that. Um, once you're tracking those specific metrics, um, whether that be pipeline acceleration or, you know, lead to opportunity conversion, for example, that'll help you really get to your ROI. Because um, right now there's a lot of talk around just measuring ROI. And for those of you who are not really super familiar with that, what that means is, you know, revenue over expenses. That, that really isn't giving you the full insight um, into how much money your event is making for your company. It's just showing you, you know, how much it cost over total, how much it brought in. Where, where uh, revenue event marketing um, really pinpoints is in the places that will impact the sales department mostly. Um, and I think events right now, we live in our own world, but we don't realize how much of an impact we have on the other places in our organization and how we have to work in cohesion. You know, I think sometimes when event planners hear ROI, they immediately are either a little bit scared or they get turned off. And, and yet I know it's something that we also have been learning a lot about and we often have to work with our clients, at least for independent party um, planners, to um, educate them on how to calculate ROI. And like you said, it's not just necessarily, okay, here's how much we spent on a particular event and this is how much we get back. I think that, you know, events have a great return for a brand if they're done well. But it, it takes a lot of education on the part of the planner sometimes to educate them that it's not always a direct correlation for a single event. Um, sure. But I think that, you know, maybe planners are not comfortable with numbers. Maybe they're not comfortable with, I mean, honestly, a lot of planners are not looped into the overall sales picture of a company, so they can't help that company really figure out ROI. I just wonder um, for planners who, as soon as they hear ROI, they want to shut this podcast off. <laughs> like, oh, if that's what they're talking about, I'm not interested. Why is this so important? And what's like a first step that someone could take to start thinking about it in a more analytical way versus, of course, it was a great event, so it was very successful. For sure. Um, I think that's a great question. I do agree um, that folks are a little bit either turned off or intimidated by this. Um, we are in a very, very transition state right now where, again, planners are being asked to do something beyond what they're typically um, comfortable doing or what was in their job description. But I like to tell folks, this is an opportunity. Um, it's happening regardless whether you want to jump on the boat or not. It's like kind of like the internet. You know, you have to learn how to use it. It's like Excel. Um, so the very first thing I recommend doing is, first of all, think about it. It's a very, very easy step, um, but that can also be a challenge for folks. They just want to put it out of their mind. Embrace it. Try to learn more about it. Be curious. Talk to other people. Um, that is the very, very first step to take. 
Beyond that, I think the next place to look at is um, from a functional and tactical perspective, because I was a planner. Um, I was also a corporate planner, which we didn't talk about at all. Um, but I understand exactly where these folks are coming from, is from the registration form. You have an opportunity to ask questions that are, are going to expand the dynamic of your target audience and understanding who they are, which can ultimately flow back to your marketing department to help them attract the right prospects for sale. So if we were in person, I would, my hand would be going in a triangle. Um, but events does sit in between marketing and sales. And by, you know, saying, you know, what, what department are you in? You know, what is your role? How many events do you do? Or whatever it may be for their marketing department um, to sell better, to bring in those MQLs or marketing qualified leads, events has the opportunity to provide that from a registration form. Fascinating. Um, and so as you're out there sort of uh, in, the, in the movement to educate planners and, and bridge that gap of knowledge, between what you do and, and, uh, and what you know what it means for planners, what are you finding to be the the biggest challenge in relaying that information? Typically, um, they're overwhelmed. This isn't something that they went to school for. This isn't something they had to do. This isn't something they had to think about. And now, beyond you know throwing new technology at them, we're telling them you have to be analytical, and then you have to be strategic about that data. So there's multi-steps um, that we have to tackle as well as educate on. And I think folks need help in understanding them, but also within their organization. I talk a lot about um, working together with your marketing team, like being in a partnership. Um, often, you know, with events, you know, they're very time sensitive and working with a marketing team on revisions and, you know, visuals can be very challenging. Um, so we don't think beyond, you know, the, the logistical or the, the tactical there. Um, there is no room for conversation around analytical. That's the first thing that I'm seeing. The second thing is often events is not a part of the conversation in regards to the overall objective of the organization. And ultimately, that's where um, the event needs to be driven from. If the CEO says, you know, this year um, we're having problems with churn with our current customers, we need to focus on how to engage with them better. Perfect. Amazing. That's, that's the trigger to say we need to have a user group. Let's look at our CRM. Let's see all the customers we've had. Let's look at the people who've left. Let's invite them back. Let's show them that we love them. Let's give them training. Let's give them education. Tie in maybe the NPS score that you're getting um, from your overall company survey. Tie in maybe the feedback that's coming from your support um, department. And then that's how you can craft your program, all from saying, okay, we're losing customers from the CEO. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about event technology kind of more broadly as well because I know that you worked at EventMobi and you're at attendees, but I also know that you're super connected. I see you all over the place. And when there's a, an event, I know you're out there talking to just a ton of planners and other event technology companies. Um, I wonder if there's any trends in event technology in general that you're seeing either for the good or for the bad things that people should be looking out for or, um, for example, I, I have been 
feeling like I noticed that it seems like the trend of growth, at least to me, seems to be slowing down a little bit when it comes to the number of event technology companies that are popping up and even some that are going out of business. Um, I noticed Julia Solaris from the Event Manager blog recently posted that he was working on a trends list for 2017, and he also was noticing a lot of uh, slowdown or just different kinds of trends that are happening. Is there anything you're seeing? I mean, those are kind of on the negative side, but there's a lot of good stuff happening too um, that you feel like other planners should just keep an eye out for. For sure, for sure. So from a positive perspective, what I'm seeing is there is lots of conversation about an integrated event technology ecosystem. That may sound like a massive buzzword, um, and planners may think, well, why should I even care about this? Um, there is a very, very big problem that I hear all the time, and Liz, I'm sure you've heard this too. There's too many tools. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So how do we fix that problem? We need to start looking at solutions that have some of the features that you're using other tools for. So there needs to be, your eyes need to be open for a migration. Um, and you know, this ultimately stemmed from, it is a, it is a segmented market. Um, different technologies emerged at different times, um, but lots of platforms can do polling. Polling isn't really an extraordinary type of uh, technology. It is a very common technology now, so we need to, we need to embrace and be aware of that, um, and we need to plan for it. Um, a lot of the time, another trend I'm seeing is events are, are budgeted per event, and everyone's thinking, you know, from June to July, July to August, August to September. And we need to, one way to be more strategic is to think on an annual level. Think big picture here. Um, how many events are you actually doing in your portfolio? How many of those events can you speak to your providers about to negotiate a much larger contract? Um, these are ways to not only save money, but also save time because then you're using one platform um, and then the learning curve isn't as high, your team isn't struggling, you can get your events up and running faster, you have more product productivity, you can save your energy. Um, so those are two, two major trends that I'm seeing there. Um, you are correct in, and I guess Julius, in your observation of growth is slowing down. Um, I am still seeing a lot of emergent players in the market. Um, kind of popping up, which is making it a, a touch saturated. Um, but I think that the the true platforms for usability, um, ease of use, simplicity, those are, I guess, three buzzwords that are kind of saying the same thing. Those are going to be emergent. Um, but it's also going to focus on how can I help you get that ROI that you need? So it's always going to come back to numbers. And I think everyone's talking about numbers. And we're trying to demystify you know, and help planners how they can bring these metrics back to their boss so they can look like a rock star. Um, I, 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 we normally do this at the end, and, and we'll probably do it again, but uh, I just feel like for somebody listening to this probably has, uh, you know, a ton of questions, and unfortunately I know we do this in a, in a very succinct amount of time. But uh, could you just quickly let people know where they can reach you? Because uh, I know people would love to pick your brain or, or follow you and some of the resources that you share. Where Where's the best place for people to reach you uh, on the Internet? For sure. So Twitter, um, a lot of your folks actually from TaxiTalk love to reach out to me there. So that's 
at FancyD, and that's Fancy with an IE underscore D. Um, and then, of course, email. I'm fastest on email, Shannon at attendees.com. And then please be my friend on LinkedIn. Um, mm -hmm. I share a lot of resources. I post to groups. Um, I share other people's really good stuff that I'm reading that I think you should keep other people should learn more about. And often it's outside of our industry. Um, I'm very focused on learning more in the MarTech industry, so marketing technology, um, and being able to bring that back into the event technology space. Excellent. That's great. And, uh, again, we, we will we will post all that information once this uh, once this conversation goes up online. But I just want to switch gears really quickly. Uh, that, that tend to be the nosy ones in the in the bunch. Uh, let's rewind the clock back a little bit and talk about ten year old Shannon. Um, <laughs> what did ten year old Shannon think she would grow up to be? If you could remember. Oh my goodness! So probably from like the age of eight, nine, and ten, I changed so many times. Um, at one point, I wanted to be a nun. I know, funny enough, um, because my my uh, uncle is a priest, and he had a very big influence on me, and we were very close. And another point, I wanted to be a nurse, because my aunt was a nurse, and I thought that was like super amazing to help people. Um, but I honestly realized even back then that I was always an entrepreneur. I would take my cousin's thing Note that it's my cousin's things and not my own things, um, and sell them <laughs> and sell them in a garage sale. <laughs> Did you at least share the profits? No, of course not. <laughs> you made the sale. That's your money. <laughs> exactly. I, exactly. I think there's a term for that now as an adult. <laughs> but, uh, you're forgiven. You were a child then, so. <laughs> Uh, that's so funny. She and she has such a big heart, and she like she wouldn't even care. <laughs> so. Did she end up becoming a nun? No, none of us. None, none of us. Actually, she's a social media guru and uh, a, and a graphic designer for the Property Brothers. So she's doing well. Wow. Her, so. <laughs> ha! Take that, cousin. There you go. Um, now we don't have much time left, but I did want to end with one more question something that we like to ask people, and I feel like between your event technology experience and the fact that you're a wedding planner and a corporate planner, you probably have a million of these stories. Um, do you have any horror stories of things we just know, like when we get around a campfire with other event planners, at first everyone's like, no, I don't know, I can't think of anything, and then a few minutes later it's a you know, seven-hour long conversation about everything that we've dealt with. Um, any horror stories you're willing to share and maybe a lesson learned from it, but I know not always, we don't always yes. learn a lesson from crazy things that happen. Yes. Um, if we were offline, I definitely have seven hours of stories for sure. Uh, my funnier <laughs> stories are definitely from the wedding side. Um, and when I tell corporate planners I used to be a wedding planner, they all like are like, they all have this massive sigh or, and they're like, oh, my God, I have no idea how you did that. I could never do that. You're so blessed to, to help people. So I, I think that reaction is hilarious. Um, but the, the story I'm going to share um, is, is kind of close and near and dear to my heart since I recently got married. Um, so I had a client who their wedding went smashingly. There was nothing mm -hmm. wrong with it. It was gorgeous. We were on time. She was happy. She looked beautiful. Everyone was mixing and mingling. Keep in mind, I used to specialize in South Asian weddings. 
So typically average um, size of our weddings for maybe 400 to 500 attendees. And I was working with budgets of like half a million plus. So wow. no issues at all until we got on site to the reception and she was taking her final walkthrough. She had a really, really high-end premier photographer. And um, what happened was she realized that the guest book was missing. And this was a customized guest book with photos that they had done from their engagement shoot. And she literally lost it. She just broke down, started crying, um, and was just like, she couldn't go on to the entrance. Like she couldn't start the wedding because this guest book was missing. That was the biggest problem. And so uh -huh. what, <laughs> what I had to do, um, I went into, you know, I'm a very like direct and succinct type of person and I'm, I'm, I'm known for that. And so I, I literally like held her by the two arms and like looked her in the eye and said, you know, this doesn't make any sense. Everything is smashing and outstanding. Your guests are not going to remember this. You're not going to remember this. It's time for you to embrace the now and experience the, experience the presence of your wedding. And her, <laughs> her, husband, her husband then was just like, yes, stop crying. And she literally just like wiped her tears. <laughs> Put on a smile and then we went to the entrance it was like it was the most like outrageous thing because it just it didn't make any sense and um I guess the lesson learned from all of that is it doesn't really matter um to a bride and now after being a bride and and you'll I think you'll understand a little bit about this Liz um once you're a bride it doesn't matter all of these other things that are amazing um it's so easy to get swept up in the insignificant and you need to have a person around you who reminds you that it's insignificant and this day is fabulous regardless what happens. That's an amazing story. I think you just open up a new a new uh, line of work for people. Just that one person who you hire for the wedding <laughs> come and give you a reality <laughs> check whenever you're out of line. And, uh, Honestly, and also, so go ahead. I was going to say that's how my business blew up is, is from this like kind of attitude that I have and, um, you know, being, being a little bit, uh, of a, a marshal, I would say maybe, or a commander. <laughs> there you go. Straight, straight to the point. And, uh, and also half a million dollar wedding. That's like hashtag wedding crashing goals. <laughs> it's funny because we did have a bunch of crashers, um, at, at, a bunch of different weddings, and you can always tell who's crashing. So it was my Amateurs. job to be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, uh, unfortunately, we are at the end of our, our, uh, our time here, but we want to thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk with us and, and sharing with our listeners. And, uh, and we, we had such a great time hosting you at uh, Taxi Talk Live, and uh, we look forward to future collaboration. So thank you for that. And to everybody listening, uh, it's this talk will be posted online, and you can find it at TikTok.com. We share it all through social media, and it ends up on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. So you could catch the replay there. We will be back uh, shortly, and our next guest will be Mike McCallan, who uh, is, is sort of known within our industry. So we look forward to an exciting conversation with him as well. And uh, until the next time, everybody, keep the hustle going.
Thank you very much.